Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Prods.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joining today, we have Birdie. <sighs> Hi. We're recording this one a bit late. D&D ran long. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the site, then you know that the new anime season has begun. Cora is dutifully and regularly making me look worse at my job by just reviewing fucking everything. He said he was going to stop at 10. <laughs> okay. Oh, and yeah, Birdie got one out too. Yeah, and I'm working on at least one, if not two or three more. One of which uh, we're, I'll talk about tonight, but there was a funny conversation where Cora tried to review one and just said, Birdie, no, take this. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't Magical Girl site. No, that that he had, we also had plenty of animated discussion about, and I, will, I actually watched that because I was having a debate with him about another series you and I watched. Excuse me, but we'll get to that later. I actually sincerely thought about watching it myself and then writing a like companion piece, like kind of like that, kind of like Abe's a review of that series from the point of view of somebody who kind of likes those series occasionally. <clears throat> yeah, I would kind of like to hear your opinion since you're the one who likes the torture porn shit more often than not. I watched it, and while I see why everything that annoyed Cora annoys him. Um, I wish I could have gotten angry at it. I was mostly just kind of bored. Oh, those are the fucking worst. <laughs> As I, I've talked about it before, but just torture porn fucking series that are boring are the fucking worst things. So do you want to just get that out of the way or do you have something else you want me to start with? I uh, know. Let's get into start? that. Let's get into the fucking new season shit. Okay. So get that out of the way first. Magical Girl Sight. Um, for those who don't know, site editor uh, Cora watched this, and I didn't read the email he sent you, but he said, I'm pretty sure I sent my, my, uh, boss an edit, uh, an edited threat slash hate mail. I will pull it up and read so. it to you folks. Cause yeah, just, uh, some background behind for how things work around here. Uh, Cora, he will, he'll write up his reviews. Uh, do the whole thing, and then email me a tag for it. And that's the tag you see on the front page of the website as well as on the Facebook page. That is because despite being an editor, he doesn't have access to the excerpt section. But me, being administrator, I do have access to that. So I'm the one who puts those up. And I always get the reviewers to write them in their own voice. When we started out, I just kind of did it myself because they were more like, man, let's see what this fucking guy thinks of this fucking thing he talked about. Blah. But then we started getting more into... But as we started getting like, getting like actual reviewers on here. But yeah. And so he sends me the, uh, he sends me his tags and then I put them up on the fucking site. For some reason I can't find the fucking email. Really just. Yeah. So he does it. He does this for all the ones that he sends me. And for the magical girl one, it has the tag and it says, I tend to avoid profanity in my reviews, but there's a bit down in the notes and nitpick section. As I say there, it's up to you whether you want to censor it or not. I normally do it, but I'm so fucking angry right now, I just fucking can't. The production company needs to throw themselves on a goddamn fire and let the world beat their charred corpses with goddamn axes till they come apart like gore-filled pinatas. 
including the weird little like symbol on top of the N. At least then we'll know we did something right as a species. Fuck humanity, fuck society, and fuck the cunts who made this metastasizing dearth of artistic expression. Yep, that sounds about right. And so here's the fun thing. Either that knows a nitpick section. He... In one line, he censored fuck. Like, which is the four little asterisks. And then two points down from that, he wrote fuck out. He wrote out fuck three times. So as opposed to censoring it, I added in a fuck by removing the censored fuck earlier. Yep. Because so. I, I have no problem with people censoring themselves in their reviews. They don't want to put curses in their reviews. Fucking whatever. If they are going to put them in there, they're going to be fucking in there. So yeah, so the the anime that drove Korra, a mostly speaking rather soft-spoken, even-minded person about most things, to such anger, fiery profanity, is a little anime from this season called Magical Girl Sight. Which, if you, you have Amazon Prime out there, you can watch for free right now. Unless you're in Canada. Hmm. Also, Amazon Prime hates Canada as much as Netflix does. Yep, there is no Amazon Prime video here in Canada. Hmm. So, That's not odd. only do we not have access to their anime stuff, we don't have access to any of their stuff. Hmm. <sighs> okay, so... Um, At least I think we don't. We, it, might be, it might be a little part of like a separate thing. I'm not 100% anyway, sure. Fuck it. Moving on. Anyway, so, for those who are not, fam- are not familiar with Magical Girl's site, uh, it's the best way to describe this. It's a me series. Yeah. It's a magical girl series by way of Higarashi. Like Magical Girls Apocalypse, but less camp? I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. And this was the debate I was having with Korra when I after I finished watching it. So it's kind of not it's kind of pointless to describe the plot of this beyond at one point, an extremely miserable girl who often contemplates killing herself by just walking in front of a train uh, gets a weird, creepy invite from a website saying a special sti- special stick will be eat will be mailed to you so that you can become a magical girl. Uh, it looks like your typical edgelord uh, hacky bullshit, and she's like, "Oh, that's creepy. I should turn that off and get away from it." Uh, so, the previous ten minutes before this happens is just. You know, uh, that's uh, a carnival bullied, of terrors. Torture. Yeah, bullying, torture, attempted rape, throwing a kitten into under a train. Now, granted, they don't show that some, they don't show the person who threw the cat cat under the train, but the cat got thrown under the train. They're saving that for the mid season finale. Yeah. Uh, so you would think that this girl who hates being at school because of all this shit would be happier at home, but no. Um, her older brother, who is the favorite of the family because the mom might give something of a shit about her daughter, but the dad is like, oh, fuck that bitch. Uh, my son is all that matters. Japanese patriarchal family just, values. Yeah, to the point where he just kind of ignores the fact that apparently on the regular, uh, his high school son uh, goes in. Whenever she manages to not lock the door, he goes into his sis- little sister's room, ties her up, and beats her within an inch of her life because he's like... This is how I survive. Can't you help me survive? Oh, boy. 
Yeah. That is some freezing shit right there. Yep. And you're telling me Korra didn't like this? No. I find that odd. He seemed like the torture porn kind of person. Yeah. So, um... When she gets to school, after oh, and at the previous day at school had featured such things as her shoes being full of razor blades, her her uh, her desk being covered in a mixture of urine and crazy glue, and other such you know gross, awful things from these three main students that bully her. Of course, they're all girls. Naturally, um, no uh, guys would do this. They just rape you. Yeah. So she gets to school the next day. Um, she opens her shoe locker expecting more razor blades, but instead finds a literal heart barrel shape, a heart shaped gun in her in her locker. Like it, it like it has the barrel of the gun. No, no, like yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, some gal gun shit. Like, yeah, she's like, uh, the hell is this shit? No, whatever. I'll just hide, hide this for later. Uh, I'll take a pistol to school. Yeah. Oh, come on, Full Metal Panic. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, but, um, that school's going to get clear backpack soon. <laughs> but, um, so she she proceeds to have a truly awful day as she finds out that one her bullies threw her, like, her favorite kitten in front of a train that they hired a senior, senior uh, track star to, uh, from the school to rape her. What's the going and, rate on rape? I don't know. Like from the sounds of the conversation they had, he's like, "Oh, she's my type. I'll give you a discount or something to that effect." But whatever. <clears throat> the fact that he has a going rate, or oh, going yeah. rape, well, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Have I ever told but, you about uh, my thesis about Japanese high school students? Let me finish the plot synopsis, and then you can do it. Okay. So. Uh, she uh, manages to escape the initial rape until she's trapped in the parking lot by uh, one of the other one of the girls and the rapist boy. Uh, because she's so angry and afraid she's about to get raped and potentially killed, since the guy's also strangling her, uh, she reaches for the heart-shaped gun in her bag, saying, "Oh, this is this is most will scare them away." So she pulls the trigger. At which point, a ma- a magical uh, heart shaped cloud of pink uh, pink gas comes out, surrounds them, and teleports them in front of an oncoming train. Well, not her, not the girl who fired it, the the, the big girl and the rapist boy. He died with his dick out. Yeah. So she, of course, like that can't possibly have been me. I don't guns don't teleport people. <laughs> yeah, they kill them. <laughs> Guns don't use trains to kill people. There's a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to when that when that gun summons truck chan. <laughs> yeah, so she, of course, goes to sleep, freaked out, wakes up, tries to find the site again, can't find it. Um, she goes to school the next day, and, of course, the other two bullies who are upset, uh, the other two girl bullies who are upset that this one of their girlfriends got thrown in front of 
seems to have died in front of a train. She's like, you're the only... And this is the part I most didn't buy, where he's like, you can't, you're the only girl at this school who had a possible grudge against her. No one else could have hated this unlikable cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh. If I hadn't seen screenshots, I would think this series might be amazing. But, um, and so she... Head bitch bully herself, of course, being a head bitch bully, pulls out a box cutter and is about to uh, Heath Ledger joker her. Give um, it a little Glasgow. Yeah. Until time stops. Because another student at the school who our main character appears to be familiar with but has not really spoken too much walks in, uh, takes it. And for some reason, uh, our main character is still moving. So she takes the, she removes the box cutter, the box cutter from the girl's mouth, sets it against the bully's neck, and slightly pulls it across the throat, and then says, "Hey, we got to get out of here. If we're in here too long, the bully might be suspected." So when time restarts, the girl who was about to st- Glasgow go, the bullied girl is like, "Why did I just slit my own throat?" <laughs> Oh, because it turns out this other girl is also a magical girl Ow. who was delivered something from magical girl edgelord Amazon. Yeah. In her case, it being a smartphone that allows her to control time. I got mine from Cubay.com. Where'd you get yours? <laughs> so that's all I've seen at this point. Um, I looked ahead at some of the stuff in the manga to see if that made any more sense. Um, Makes perfect sense to me. I guess it. it I guess it kind of does eventually, but it's mostly just um, psychotic little girls killing each other with weird magical girl instruments. Yes. So yeah. Um, and it, okay. So you t- you do your your high school thesis, high school Japanese boy thesis. Then yeah. I will. So uh, this has been a thing that I have noticed in essentially all forms of media. Both like it's all, all all forms like anime media, like anime manga movies, shit like that. Pretty much between the ages of ten and nineteen, if you are a character, if you are a character in anime, you are a psychopath. Like, yeah, there are exceptions to like protagonist stuff, but more often than not, you fucking see it where just these characters will be there and they will be. They will have so many goddamn warning signs that they're about to start skinning cats that nobody addresses because everybody else also acts like this. Like in some worlds, it is encouraged and actually fucking promoted as a thing. Like in fucking Unordinary, which I'll be talking about a bit later because Birdie got me into it. Really? You hated that the last time I talked to you. <laughs> it reads better than it describes. Okay. It's still not great. But I'll get into my thoughts on that, because I think I thought way too much about this series. Okay. But no, yeah, just if if you ever find yourself in a situation with a bunch of very colorful and unique anime characters, run. You'll die. Yeah. Okay, so here's the gist of the conversation that led to me watching this, Dead Man. Uh, I spent the pretty much since Monday fielding... Cora's anger that wasn't directed at you. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't make him do this. Yeah. I pointed um, 
I pointed out some other series that you and I have read or watched that kind of covers some of the same kinds of content with the similar like edge or edge lord misanthropic bullshit and how like I was having a hard time believing that this was the worst thing ever, which is kind of the impression I got from you know everything we described. Uh-huh. Um and then for some reason I made the mistake of saying that as bad as this sounds, core, it's probably not going to annoy me as much as Devilman Crybaby is. <laughs> and he said, look, I've watched the first episode of Devilman Crybaby. This Devilman Crybaby cannot possibly be worse oh, honey. than uh, Magical Girl Sight. Oh, honey. So, so I took that as a bit of a challenge. <laughs> and since it's been raining all day here and where I am, I was like, okay, I guess I'll get watch a couple more anime to... Uh, get caught up and discuss stuff tonight so yeah i watched it and my biggest problem with this series as i mean yeah all the stuff core mentioned is obviously awful but i can't really get angry at it the way he did because as i've pointed out to you the antagonists in this series are so cartoonishly evil that i can't really buy their actions and thus the emotional weight is just kind of leaden yeah, like the way you're describing it, it sounds like you're trying to watch Snidely Whiplash gas people. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's uh, itchy and scratchy. Do the Holocaust essentially? Yeah. Dick dastardly because, got his hands on some VX nerve gas. Yeah, and because of that, it, yeah, it's offensive. So I can't really enjoy it. It naturally, but because it's so cartoonishly over the top, I can't like. So I can't laugh at it because the content is so heinous, but at the same time, it's so laughable that I can't get angry or infuriated by it. So I'm just kind of left bored and annoyed. Yeah, that... <sighs> now, granted, I am kind of in the middle between you and Cora, where Cora is all of this stuff, no. You're like, hey, you know, this is pretty good. Come on, guys. No, not even pretty good. <laughs> just, it's... <laughs> I enjoy it the way people enjoy a Serbian film. <laughs> Just like this shit that the shit that you see in there is so over the top. It is so amplified to a factor of fuck that it comes around and kind of kind of becomes camp on itself. Like even the murders, like even like the horrible heinous murders they do in these fucking show in these fucking series. They are so goddamn cartoony. Even when the gore is the fucking fucking most real shit, everything is so goddamn cartoony. Like there was one fucking series I watched where a lady was fucking being raped by some of her students. She was a teacher and she was getting raped in the middle of it. She started getting super goddamn into it because it turns out she is an insane serial killer who murders any man who tries to have sex with her if he if he stops fucking her at any point because in her mind every guy is one guy she used to date and that guy can fuck forever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's the kind of reaction you expect from a normal person. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. You just there was so much there that there that there was no real other response to it other than like, oh, okay, yeah. This doesn't sound like that. This sounds like they took all the horrible heinous shit that I that I see in those series and removes what I enjoy about it. But then doesn't replace it with anything, so it is just heinous shit and nothing else. Yeah. 
And this is going to be gory, Dead Man. This whole series is going to be gory since it's directed by the guy who did Tokyo Ghoul's previous anime adaptations. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about the studio. I haven't seen him do anything else. I'd have to look, but I don't really care. Again, I'd kind of like your opinion on this since you're the edgelord guy on the site, but I don't care enough to keep watching this. I take offense to that if... and accept it wholeheartedly. <laughs> but Cora... Cora has taken it as like nothing could possibly be worse than this and I'm I'm kind of stuck in the position of like yeah maybe for you that's true but yeah like, like <laughs> I'm really surprised like he like there's been times where I like talked to him about like you know review philosophy and I'm pretty sure there was a point where he said like yeah he doesn't give things zero stars he yeah. this one's zero out of five yeah because, like, okay, unlike, so far at least based on what I can tell of the plot of Magical Girl site, yeah, it's edgelord, creepy, awful, but it seems to serve a purpose in the story as awful as that, from what I can tell, what that story is, which is basically, let's conceivably give our main character, who is supposed to be completely moralistically moral and righteous, a reason to want to kill people who no one would ever feel bad for them dying so that mm. she can technically chugger the apocalypse if she uses it enough times. Because that's, again, kind of like Cube, the thing running this site wants magical girls to use these powers to hurt people because the more people they hurt, the more the quicker the apocalypse comes. <sighs> so it's basically so it's basically like Spawn, kind yeah. of. This is the Faust equivalent to fucking Madoka Magica. Yeah. And just on that description, it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. So some fu- so, uh, so some background about fucking production Doa. Company that made fucking Magica Girl site. They have done one other thing. It is a movie. That aired in that aired on November eleventh, two thousand seventeen, uh, called "Is the Order a Rabbit, Dear My Sister?" I remember that being a thing. I never watched it. It's a. This was a. So this, the source of it was a four coma manga, and this was a slice of life comedy show. Yeah, I can't imagine that not being the case. But uh, yeah, so Magical Girl site. Yeah, it's not good. I think if I was rating it, I'd probably give it like a. 1.5 or a 2 out of 5 at most. I just I never got viscerally angry yeah, it's at not, it. I never It's not the dregs of fucking creativity that Cora says it is. Yeah. At least and at I, least I to us. Yeah, well at least to me because uh, and this is actually what's weird is I'm technically borrowing one of Cora's um critiques from a previous thing we did when I say this, particularly when I'm comparing it to Devil Man. Um Devil Man didn't have to just be edgelord bullshit. It could have turned out of the skid. It could have been more interesting, more provocative. Yeah. Magical Girl Sight just starts at rock bottom and stays there. <laughs> I'm actually just imagining halfway through, it swerves and turns into either Madoka Magica level or just turns into a slice of life comedy. That would be weird. 
It pulls a samurai flamenco. <laughs> it just uproots the entire to, fucking premise. I might have to go back and try to watch that again, because some people say it actually got better after it pulled that swerve. I don't believe them. Yeah, fucking James <laughs> is super into that thing. He has been, like, petitioning to me and me alone to play the live-action version of fucking samurai flamenco. But anyway, uh, so moving on from that, unless you have any other questions you want me to, to answer. Uh, does the series look better than it does in screenshots? It looks fine, I guess. It doesn't look terrible. It, I mean, it, I mean, you've watched Higurashi, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one, it, it was, uh, the thing I really liked about that was it managed to play into the psychological horror aspect while keeping the kind of not great, really bog standard anime style. Yeah, it's about like that. If I had to compare it to anything artistically, style, stylistically, it looks a lot like Higurashi. Mm. Both, both with the, both with the cartoonish facial expressions and the ridiculous levels of gore, and it they just add some more cartoonish, ridiculous elements in, like with the, like the pretty pink puff of gun smoke that teleports people in front of trains. Or I can't tell if that's the, a good thing or not. Again. Watch for yourself and see. Yeah, I, I, I guess I will. This. I'm not watching this again. I, 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 that is 100% fair. Cora got mad at it. I just... I just checked out. <laughs> I was like, whatever. Yeah, that's 100% fair. It, ne- it never surprised me. It never appalled me. It never engaged me. Speaking of stuff that did not engage me at all... Let's talk about a anime from Stunrise Studios that is feels like a complete waste of time. <laughs> yes. Isekai Isekaya Koto Aetheria no Isekaya Nobu. That's a lot of isekais. Yes. But if you want an isekai that it most resembles, remember a restaurant from the other world that I talked about last year? Yeah. Imagine that if it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Alright then. Like... Okay, so did you ever watch any of that, or did you just listen to me talk about it? I just listened to you talk about it. Okay. So, in comparison to that, the thing that most annoys me about this is that it's just lazy, essentially. Whereas the whole premise of of that other anime was that, oh, this modern Japanese restaurant that for some random reason, because of a spell cast in this other world, is now connected to this fantasy world one day a week. Uh, it now allows uh, and it because of the weird nature of the spell, the door can technically appear anywhere and allow anyone in. It's weird fantasy premise, but it kind of works for what they're doing. And this, they're like, oh no, there's just there's a modern Japanese restaurant in a medieval European setting. Cause, yeah, not sure why. And also another big problem, um. I, I didn't think this would ever be a problem, essentially, given how goofy the kind this kind of premise is anyway, but they the people that come there are boring. <laughs> I mean, in the first episode of um, Restaurant from Another World, you had essentially Smaug from Lord of the Rings, uh, a half-demon, a lizard man, an ancient Japanese samurai and an aging heroic wizard all in there at the same time, along with Leomon. 
Huh. In the first episode of this, on the images I saw when you, I just looked up at that series, it's just a couple of dudes. Yeah, at the end in the in the series that I'm talking about, uh, two bodyguards get off work and go eat beer and edamame. Okay then. That's the entire first episode. <laughs> Riveting. Yeah, and it, clearly it's not. It, it's aspirations are not as high. I didn't think that was possible to to under to to have less even lower aspirations than an isekai story about a restaurant, but the episodes are only twelve minutes long, uh, and there's like a five minute section on how to make the Japanese dish they showcase in every episode. And I guess if you if there was anything I would watch, it would be that. So basically, I would only watch the ending credits if I was to watch any part of this series. So. Take that how you will. Wait, the ending credits of a 12-minute episode is five minutes? Yeah. Jesus! Told you. <laughs> wow, that is... Oh, wow. I told you this was lazy. <laughs> I was going to say that, would, this that is from... was like one piece level of padding, but like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and this is from the people who make the Code Geass movies, who make Gundam. <laughs> oh, wow. Also, fun fact, if you, if you couldn't guess, this is based off a light novel. Oh, sure. I assumed that. Yeah, it's an isekai story. Of course it fucking is. Yeah. This is not even the last isekai story I'm going to talk about tonight. Oh, joy. <laughs> One of them is a inverted isekai story, which I'm <laughs> curious what you will think about. Well, maybe not. Maybe like a, a a net zero isekai story, I guess. <laughs> I'll explain when I get to that one. That one's later. But uh, so yeah, this I, I on my on my notes for this anime podcast for this, I just wrote down rip off other world restaurant. I was like, what is? It? Oh right. I'm not gonna bother remembering the name besides looking it up for the discussion because like I'm just this is pointless. <laughs> All right then. All right, so now moving on to stuff, technically stuff Dead Man is familiar with that came out this season, but he hasn't watched. <laughs> so uh, let's get the one I wrote up first out of the way, Golden Camley. Yes, I, I remember when I talked about this. I really enjoyed it at the start, and then it slowly turned into a series of lectures about the native people of Japan. Yeah, I haven't read beyond like the first couple chapters and I'm it's supposedly the anime is going to cover the whole series. I don't know if that's a, if that's true or not. Cause since there's like 150 chapters, but I do not know. Um, maybe, maybe they'll be, maybe they'll remove all the fucking like lecture stuff. And so it'll just be, so they'll just have enough for like 20 chapters. Maybe who knows? But, uh, so for those who don't know, um, this anime takes place during the Meiji era. Uh, well, technically, well, Technically, the the Meiji era, but the part of the Meiji era most people don't like to talk about it is because it's more, it's less when Japan was more sort of charming. Oh, isn't all this Western stuff quaint and more like glory of the empire? Take out all the Westerners. Yeah, it's Japan. more war. <laughs> yeah, specifically like the Meiji this... period through the through the fucking gaze of samurai shampoo, where everything's like, oh, it's crazy, fucking samurais or whatever. This is this is your more... murder. Yeah. Because the first thing we see in the first episode is our main character, Sagimoto Saichi, as a Japanese Imperial soldier um, at the Siege of Port Arthur, uh, in which is essentially a 
a massive Japanese siege of Russian-held territory on the China, um, in northern China. And it does not go well. Nope. Well, te- they, they, the Japanese technically go in, but it's a blood slaughter. So they essentially, it's a Pyrrhic victory. They technically won the war, but they lost so many that it almost, some people say it was not worth it. Yeah, there's now, one guy left to go like, hey, we won. It's probably Sakamichi. Yeah. yeah. Now, Sak- now, Sakamichi, he, he should have received awards, medals, and money for his bravery. But he's also kind of a crazy asshole who... Uh, when he's waiting, when the tension is killing him in a stock line, he eats an ant that's ugh, sour. Or when he's like, fuck bullets, I'm going to stab and beat everyone in a small circle. I'm going to stab you with my gun. <laughs> and like when he gets head butted in the back of the head with the butt of another rifle, he's like, dude, rude. <laughs> they call him the invincible Sakamichi. Yeah. But unfortunately, that wild behavior is not just limited to his enemies, because he apparently nearly killed his superior officer during the siege of Port Arthur. So, at best, he was just forced to be let go without any significant bonuses or benefits. So now he's a basically penniless vagrant uh, panning for gold in Hokkaido, the big frozen northern island of Japan, uh, hoping for some money because one of his war buddies who died at the siege of Port Arthur has a wife... Who is get who just gave birth to a child and is slowly going blind. So he kinda needs the money. Yeah. Cut to a random drunk person who's watching him pan for gold. It's like, hey, you ever hear this story? It's about this crazy Japanese criminal who during the war between the Ainu, for those who don't know, the Ainu are to Japan what Native Americans are to North America. About as well treated. Yep. Uh, during during the war between the Ainu and the and the Shogunate, there was this group of Ainu men who had a whole bunch of gold. They stole it from them and killed all the Ainu. No one knows what happened to the gold because the guy who stole it hit it all and then threw himself, essentially got himself thrown into prison before he said anything. But just to be a dick, he tattooed parts of the map to where he hid the gold on his five most prominent subordinates and said, if you guys break out, hey, you're welcome to part of it. Uh, so this, of course, sounds crazy to Sakamichi since he's he might be a madman, but he's a bit of a he's a mostly normal person so he just goes back to panning gold until his random drunk buddy wakes up grabs his rifle and tries to shoot him with it he's like uh dude what are you doing and that's particularly funny when the guy starts pulling the trigger and nothing happens because he forgot to turn off the safety so Sakamichi now just being royally pissed tries to chase the guy through the through the frozen woods of Hokkaido. It's like, where'd that bastard go? He's gonna kill me or he's gonna bring some friends to kill me. I gotta kill him first. Until he finds a pile of snow with some human body parts in it. He's like, Well that's weird. What are those people? What are those right there? Uh so he pulls around and finds the guy who was trying to kill him with his stomach missing. Pleasant. 
So, ugh, well, I guess a bear must have gotten this shit. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, better avoid bears. Um, so he pulls him. He pulls him back, and then when he finds the guy, he grabs him by the his the collar of his shirt and says, "Wait, what's that on your skin? Holy shit! Is that the tattoo? You're one of the bastards you're telling about in the story. You fuck." <laughs> So you weren't crazy. You son of a bitch. Yeah. At which point he starts dragging the... At which point he starts dragging the now stomachless body of the guy through the woods, hoping to find a place to skin him or at least read the map before something eats him again. At which point a baby bear and a mother mother brown bear appear and he's about to get killed by them. Until a young... uh, Ainu woman named Asirpa, pardon my pronunciation, I don't, the Ainu language, it's, it's understood by them, I don't claim (laughs) to understand it, and that might, and that's part of, uh, so when, when I started watching this, Dead Man warned me that this writer was kind of a windbag, and, yeah, a windbag who was really into the Ainu, yeah, it's not a problem yet, but the fact that the Ainu woman use, kept, keeps using Ainu terms, Saichi keeps asking, what's that mean? And then he, she has to say it again in Japanese. That's going to get really annoying real fast if that persists. Yeah, and it's good, it gets really annoying, especially when they get to the fucking Ainu village. Yeah. Because then, then it's not just Ainu terms, it's Ainu culture. Yeah, well, they have a little bit of that in this episode where they're like, yeah, um, so... After they meet up, she's like, "So why why does that guy not have a stomach?" It's like, uh, "I assume that mother that mother brown bear ate it." It's like, uh, "No, mother bears when they just come out of hibernation like this, they usually don't have ability old to old food in their stomach. That means that a rabid bear who never went into hibernation is probably the one who did this, and those are fucking scary. <laughs> so unless you really really want this guy's dead body, I just presume I should just, you should just leave him here." It's like, "No, I kind of need his dead body." He's like, "Why?" It's like. Because I need to skin him. She's like, that's weird. <laughs> I need gold. So. Happy day to reference day, everybody. Yeah. Slightly convinced that. Uh, eventually convinced to help. She sticks around. They try to set up a fire so the bear can't attack him in the night. And then the bear comes anyway, puts out the fire, and then they start attacking. And the bear and, was like a oh, fucking demon. Yeah, and oh, Dead Man's favorite thing in anime comes back. Poorly integrated, bad CG. (laughs) Yep, because the bear is entirely CG all the time. Oh, fuck. Fuck you. It's constantly interacting with 2D animation. Jesus Christ. It's often so big that it's taking up most of the screen when it's on camera. To catch my fucking eyes out, who made this? Uh, the studio, uh, Genoa Studio, who last semester, last last season made something called Kokoku. Right, yeah, Cora reviewed that, I think, and I think I read some of the manga. Yeah. It's one of the beauties of reading as much manga as I do. I'm kind of never not even, not, not really behind on anime stuff, even when I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, at some point when the fight is going badly, uh, a Serpa's pet wolf shows up to help. And he's traditionally animated, except when he's fighting the bear, to which point they switch him over to a CG model for the fight. And it's about a bad one. 
<sighs> and and to show you how bad this CG is, Korra, I think of the three of us, is the least annoyed by by CG in anime, and he and he even he's like, uh, no. <laughs> So after the fight is over, uh, Aserpa is kind of uh, gains a certain level of respect for Saichi, given that he just gutted a bear by hanging under it and stabbing it. You know, like he do. <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's also, kind of a really great thing about like this, especially in the early bit. Is these two characters now they play off each other of just yeah, just Aserpa's well, very like. Like even though she's still a kid, very grounded, very like mature kind of look at things, and like and like methodical approach to stuff, and the Sakamichi just being fucking buck wild. Yeah, and that I, I pointed that out. The two things that I like most about this series are the unique nature of its setting and story, and its two main characters. And here's another cute little uh, uh, Korra thing for you, Dead Man. When I was editing this, when he well he edited this with some, and I edited this when I after I wrote this. And at some point, he wanted me to. He felt like he wanted to be. He felt that I would be remiss to not mention that it's kind. It's kind of amusing that they have the exact same um, color palette clothes. At which point, I had to point out, it's like it, she's not wearing blue, Cora. That's just the night. She's wearing purple. <laughs> oh, Cora, that's not purple. That's just the darkness. Because she thought they were, bo- he thought they were both wearing blue. And, I was like, <laughs> N- N-. and then when I pointed that out, and he realized, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of annoying." I, I, I kind of liked that they were color matched. I was like, y- "You can imagine it if you want to, if it helps." <laughs> yeah, it's like fuck up some of your rods and cones. <laughs> then all blue and purple will look the same. <laughs> Yeah, but at uh, in addition to showcasing her respect for Saichi by letting him keep the rest of the Mad Bear as a prize, uh, she gives him further evidence that the story of the gold is true because she says that her mother always told her stories of how her father had a whole bunch of gold to fight the Japanese but was killed for it. So... Dun, dun, dun. With uh, having seen that she is a badass and that he needs help perusing the giant island of Hokkaido looking for these four random Japanese dudes, he's like, hey, you want to help me get revenge for your dad? like, "Uh, my culture says I'm not supposed to kill people. It's like, okay, I mean, mean, I'll kill people. I'll fucking kill them. I'm going to hell regardless at this point, so I'll just kill more people. Yeah, I mean, it's either kill people or pan for gold. I feel like killing people is more my speed. Yeah, and so that's where the first episode ends. Um, so yeah, like I pointed out in my review, the two big problems I have are like the CG is awful <laughs> and like embarrassingly bad, oh. and, and it's it's worse because actually the traditional two D animation for the series is actually pretty good. You get a lot of really good expressions, and the design work on both of their faces and their costumes comes off really well. And even when they're two when they're two D models in combat, it actually works pretty well. They make good use of the. That's the weird thing. The background is two D, even when the animal is CG, and that annoys me. <laughs> this sounds like if I saw it, it would make me shit. I would just see it and just get so fucking angry that everything would tense up and then just like blow a hole through the back of my fucking pants. 
shitting your pants with rage. <laughs> yeah, totally. It'll be it'll be a, it'll be a real bloody rage shit. But yeah, um, totally involuntary. Just just see it. They just start screaming, and then next thing you know, I need a new chair. But yeah, other than that, I'm still really enjoying it. And based on what Dead Man has told me. I'll probably keep either watching or reading this. I really hope that um, the anime has better um, quality control than the manga does, because I looked ahead a little in the manga, and boy, does crap start going off model after a certain point in the manga. <laughs> Faces look like plastic cutouts. Yeah, I think that, I think they will be doing it a bit um, tighter, because I think in the original story, it's 12 dudes, not 5. Well, I would have to go back and check to see, but I still am comfortable at least recommending an initial impression of this to see what you think, because there's enough good stuff to over to get past the one or two blemishes. All right, then. All right. So now moving on to something that Dead Man has not watched, but has played and technically I played too, Persona 5. Die. I almost feel weird at this point. I don't know about you, but I feel weird talking about Persona because it's just like I kind of love I love Persona so much that if I just if I'm just restating things at this point, I don't know. I know you probably talk about it with Caveman on the Video Games Podcast. Yeah, I, I, we have Caveman and Me and Caveman and Alex talked about Persona Five at length. Yeah, I mean it's the same great writing that has made Atlas Studios rather beloved recently to the point where. God, when was Persona 4? Was that like... Uh, 2008. Yeah, so it's been a long time. <laughs> it, but anime did... The, the original the first, the first, original game did really well. They've already planned the, the spinoff as well as the fighting slash dancing games for it. I so can't it's only natural. wait for those fucking things to come over to America. Yeah. I love the dancing and, games. And just like with um, Persona 4... They made an anime tie-in, which basically, if I if I remember my experience with Persona 4's anime, what they're basically going to do is they're going to tell the story with the blandest and least interesting possible version of the main protagonist. Yeah, um, if you <laughs> we did a we did a, we did an anime club for the first half of the original Persona 4 animation series. Yeah, and the moment that kind of perfectly exemplifies that is the bit where Chie kicks them all into the fucking pond because Kanji gets a nosebleed. Yeah. Kanji and, Kanji and Yosuke are both just like, ah! and fucking you is just dead stare, bang, like fucking dead panda camera. But I don't think they can do that for Persona 5, because Persona 5, the character has a bit more personality kind of baked into him. Yeah, and I'm seeing little bits of that in, from the episodes I've watched, which for reference is just the first one and a little bit of the second one, which for those who know the story of Persona, essentially means... They've gone into the other world part now. Yeah. They've they found the Igor, castle. They've, they've introduced a couple of the main characters. They have not gotten the teenage girl who has a complex about being sexually harassed by her teachers into a leather um, leather skin tight cat suit yet. Yeah, but soon. <laughs> it won't take long. Persona, y'all. You don't, okay, so it's been a while since I played the beginning of Persona Dead Man. Does the story in the game start in Medius Res? Yes. Yeah, it, st- it starts out with you breaking out of the casino with all your character, with all your, like, your fucking dudes in okay, silhouette. Okay, so it does start, it does do the 
the Sly Cooper 3 thing where you've already assembled the team and they're helping you with a big heist and something goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the entire game is told in flashback as you're being interrogated by Sly. Okay. Yeah, every every time you every time you like gain a new confidant, it then flashes forward to you being interrogated as she brings up like, yeah, I think this guy was involved with your stuff. I'm not quite sure how yet, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, the production value is, I don't, I mean, the production value is it's weird. Like, it looks like Persona Five the game, and it's in motion. Which I'm not used to, other than like just seeing the the C, the 3D models in motion during the gameplay portions, and like there's some, if I recall correctly, there's like there is some like animated, uh, 2D animated yeah, game segments. Yeah, like the beginning of it. Um, some of the more some of the like bigger pre-rendered moments. Um, and the ending. Yeah. So I mean, seeing it in decent to uh, decent um 2D animation is fine. It's just. I, I had the same problem, I think, with Persona 4. Despite it having all the models, the animation's never really all that remarkable, I guess. Yeah, it is A1 doing this. Yeah. And, like, their stuff, is, their stuff is usually, like, pretty solid, but I don't... I don't think there's anything that, like, particularly stood out to me. Yeah. The, th- the thing is, I don't think they have the... Uh, both the Persona anime, which, which is weird, considering this is a major game, both in Japan and worldwide... The anime adaptations don't have the budget to do a lot of the cool, crazy fight stuff that the that the games do, <laughs> which is weird because that's kind of what you go to the animes for. Yeah, you want to see but, you want to see that shit done in like glorious fucking anime. Yeah, so it's not terrible. It, it's it's fine. I like I I always like seeing Igor. It's always great to see Igor. Yeah. If, if there was if if there was any character I would want to cosplay as at a convention, it would be Igor. <laughs> Welcome to the Velvet Anime. You'd think it would look better, but no. Oh god, this place is a shit heap. What's up with your soul? <laughs> Went from a limo to a fucking desk in a prison. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think talking about the Persona 5 anime in any great detail seems kind of pointless. Like, if you've played the game, if you like the game, then by all means watch the anime. If you just want to see it in two... In, 2D anime, but I think most people who play the game probably feel like they've gotten enough out of their own personal experience. Oh yeah, that they didn't get out of it. Because by the time this fucking show has come out, they've played through it nine times. Yes, because you have to play through it dozens of times to get everything out of it. From what I understand, <laughs> yeah, you need to get all the fucking confidants rank ranks up to ten. You need to get all the fucking persona. You need to fucking get all the uh, all the fancy persona. You need to use all the fucking goddamn. Whatever persona, I played. Through the, I played through that game once, got the true ending, and then fucking stopped. <laughs> I got myself. A st- I got myself a stupid waifu, and I was goddamn happy. You didn't. You didn't romance the teacher like Caveman did, did you? Nope. I okay. romanced the guy I was staying with's daughter. Okay. The crazy shut-in, That's... whose persona is a UFO. That's. <laughs> I need to get back into Persona. <laughs> we hung out. We went to fucking Akiabra. I helped her deal with her social anxiety, and we talked about fucking Power Rangers. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Persona Five. If you played the game, you know whether or not you like this. <laughs> I think that's. Do I need to say anything else about nope. that? I think that no, that kind of sums it up. <laughs> 
All right, let's see if there's anything else anime-related I haven't seen yet. So there's one big thing I haven't watched yet, but that's... I discussed this with Deadman before we decided to record tonight. That's going to... Because there has to be a franchise-long retrospective leading up to that, I'm going to save that for next time. So I've got one more anime from this season, which leads to the another charming chorus story, which seems to be the theme for the night. <laughs> um, Cutie Honey Universe. Okay. Yeah. So, Cora watched this, and, I mean, I was going to watch it anyway because of the Go Nagai franchises that are out there, this is my favorite because it's not edgelord bullshit like uh, Devil Man or Violence Jack. And Cora apparently watched it not knowing what it was. <laughs> oh, God, going into something like this blind. Yeah, so for for those who don't know what Cutie Honey is, um, essentially, it's what would happen if you kind of crossed Power Rangers with a really, really slutty magical girl show. Because the whole premise is that the main character, Honey Kisaragi, is a gynoid with the ability to change her special abilities, phys- physical capabilities, and any special power she might have based on what clothes she's wearing. And she, of course, being a magical girl-inspired character, has... Um, a magical girl mode that she turns into, which is probably, I think, I think shows more nipple than any other magical girl series ever. Pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, most magical girls don't have nipples. Yeah. So d- just for the, um, for those who don't know it, it, it this is Cora's, uh, my response, my conversation with Cora when he watched cutie hunting universe, the fuck is this? <laughs> I assume you just watched Cutie Honey Universe. Yeah, I'm into some Utena territory here. Gona Guy is a madman. All of his projects are creative, but Guano snorting levels of crazy, and all attempts to adapt, adapt any of his works are often equally so. Cutie Honey is my personal favorite of his because it's not as dumb or misanthropic as Mazinger, Delvil Man, or, Miss, or Violence Jack. Forgot about, th- forgot about the exact nature of the pe- pedigree. Ignoring the idea is just the imagery in most Cutie Honey shows tends to be crazier than most anime out there. You don't say. There's a lot of lesbians in the first five minutes of this. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Lesbianism is some of the more normal stuff. I'm talking all the lesbians. Again, normal. One of the earlier shows casually discussed preferred methods of lesbian sex. Infinite lesbians. <laughs> it's probably too... Go to guy for my tastes. And that's where he cut off. <laughs> I think I actually wrote, also thanks for giving me a running commentary to discuss with Dead Man for the episode. <laughs> but yeah, um so Jesus, how do I talk about this particular so Cutie Hunt this is the anniversary series for Cutie Hunt Universe because I think it's been forty years. Fifty since actually. It was, 50. Okay. Yeah, so the the first anime was in the 70s, but the manga was in the late 60s. Um, so in this new one, Kani Kisaragi is a high school girl at a private all-girls all school's academy uh, where the super Catholic, super conservative nun head ma- headmistress is also a dominatrix. Because, sure. No, I, that, that's the thing that, that, of all the things you've talked about so far, that makes the most sense. <laughs> And also, I've seen uh, movies. Honey, yeah, 
and Honey is in our is roommates with this seemingly fairly normal girl in her class, and they hang out together. But of course, whenever Honey needs to go do cutie honey shit, she has to sneak out. And apparently, whenever cutie Honey sneaks out, the headmistress tortures her um, her roommate by putting her in um, naked rope bind n- naked whole body rope bindings. Because you know, yeah, naturally. So on this particular episode, just if I ever talk about Kitty Honey Universe again, this is how I'm going to start. On this particular episode, um, <laughs> well, this Cutie time Kitty Honey has to solve crimes while dressed as a cop. Yeah, Kitty Honey has to has to uh, help a girl who gets turned into. Uh, so that's the other thing. The enemies of Kitty Honey are this organization called Panther Claw, which are all. Women, except I think for one butler character, mainly because the leader is also a uber lesbian named Sister Jill. Sure, whatever. No, yeah, no, again, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, she's spending all and her time she, chilling off in the corner. Yeah, and Sister Jill has sent one of her character uh, scissor claw. <laughs> 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 out to get more minions and she produces one named breast claw because you know subtlety goes out the window it's cutie honey dude <laughs> um and like every other cutie honey anime there's two there's two other important characters aside from cutie honey's dad who is the guy who created both cutie honey and the main villain sister jill uh there is the uber badass female cop who takes no shit, follows no rules, pisses off all her male cohorts, you know, tr- traditional hard ass. Yeah. And the always has his nose to the ground, always knows for looking for a good story, um, newspaper man, who, it, this is starting to get a little anachronistic because he still uses a analog camera and print newspapers. But he yeah. can afford a new. He can afford an, a helicopter for his own personal use for oh, the company he works for. Adorable. Maybe if it was a blog, I'd buy it. But <laughs> hi, I work for BuzzFeed. <laughs> I wrote an. I wrote enough top ten lists this month to be allowed to do a real story. <laughs> but um. So yeah, it, the rest of the episode is just a fight, basically. It's it's cutie honey versus scissor claw. It's badass woman and photographer person versus breast claw, and both breast claw and scissor claw are defeated. Oh, I thought, I'm I thought gonna I, have trouble saying those since those names over and over again, aren't I? I thought you were gonna say it was badass woman versus the freedom of the press. <laughs> well, that too, because she destroys his camera. Luckily, I have twelve backups. Like, oh, you know, I can take all that let's, see what, let's see what you can't take the freedom of the press. This is in America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Japan doesn't yeah. have that. Yeah. But, um... Freedom press, wrong country, jackass. Yeah. So, at the end of it, uh, Cutie Honey comes in, finds her roommate in the naked, full-body rope binding, and before releasing her, kind of sexually, you, you know, that... that, that Naked wrestling type shit that's not technically supposed to be sexual, but totally is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's holding her down. Got her pinned down by the hips. Yeah. My God, you can so, see their bitch pushing together. Yeah. 
So the only problem I see, like, other than the fact that if you are not a fan of cutie honey type stuff, get away now, as Cora chose to do. The only other problem I have is that unfortunately, un- this is the director for the animation is a little un- the direction for the animation is a little uninspired. It's kind of boring. Like the fights are fine, but considering what I've seen for some cutie honey anime fights, particularly in the triggered adaptation that was tied to the movie back in 2004. I was kind of expecting something a little bit more ridiculous from this first episode, but maybe they're, sa- maybe they're saving it for some other episode. I don't know. Yeah, and plus, it's... Your point of mind gets triggered, dude. Yeah, fair enough, and this is not... No matter how good a director they have, he ain't trigger. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, that was Cutie Honey Universe. I enjoyed it. Cora... Ran away screaming. <laughs> but particularly after the awfulness of Devilman Crybaby, I, I needed this kind of Devil... I needed this kind of Gonagai adaptation. Just fun, stupid, and unabashedly ridiculous without any of the pretensions or misanthropy. Alrighty then. Alright, so... Got a couple manga to work my way through. To... Uh, I'll save that one for later. Uh, so get the the last isekai story I have. The, the last two isekai stories I have for the night out of the way first. First, the the one Deadman and I have both read, which is weirdly charming, and I don't have much to say about it. Farming in a strange world. <laughs> so yeah, you know the the traditional isekai thing: guy dies, uh, meets God, says, "You want to be reborn in a fantasy world?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I don't really want to, but if you need me to, I can be." It's like awesome. It, for that, I will give you a great boon. What do you want? It's like, um, I want a farm. He's like, uh, what? I want a farm. Uh, you sure? Yes. You could be like a powerful wizard or like a holy warrior. Yeah. King something. Uh, no, I want a farm. Uh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, so, but like, as a farmer, I'm assuming you want everything else. Uh, you like, like magical powers, great strength. It's like, um, how about a body that never gets sick? That that that's it. You just don't want to ever get sick. It's like, yo, can nope. I just get like a hoe, like a really good one? Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's here's the almighty farming tool, the a, the AFT. Yeah, does it like turn to everything? Yeah, he can he can turn it into any uh, simple tool he wants from like a spear or a knife or a fork anything yeah it, it does the big uh, does the big like fucking flash and sparkle shit of like turning into fucking some other magical bullshit it, it's like i now have a pitchfork for all this hay yeah but for the most of the first five or six chapters honestly he's just using it as a hoe and just he's, he's literally dropped somewhere randomly in the woods he's like okay i'm gonna hoe <laughs> yeah and, and then at some point he realized, like, oh, crap, I might not be getting tired, but I'm going to get hungry or thirsty if I don't find some water and some food soon. So eventually he just clubs a demon rabbit with his hoe and then <laughs> fi- finds a wa- finds a spring and drinks and then finds a place to sleep. So after a few days of this, he manages to build some farmland. He's like, crap, I don't have any seeds. Like, oh, wherever I hoe, God gives me seeds. Awesome. So I can start building. And then... I know the first of that hoe is the name of the tool, but clubbing a rabbit with a hoe. What I said is not wrong in any way. I know it is not wrong in any way. It's just the imagery brought to mind. Just this fucking like 
nice, unassuming Japanese dude all of a sudden pulling out some fucking, like, hooker-looking lady and beating the shit out of a rabbit. Well, she's going, no, daddy, please, I've been good. I paid. Yeah. But anyway, um, after this, uh, the first of many Inferno Wolves show up. They're friends. Because, yeah. It's like, two dogs show up at the at the edge of his property. They start barking, and he's like, uh, well, dogs are useful. Maybe I'll just try to be nice to them. So he, so he opens a hole in his wall and his dish. And he says, hey, come through. And they're like, uh, uh okay. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And then he said he he killed a wild boar earlier, so he got some slips for himself. He left for the rest of the dogs, and they're like, "Oh, oh, okay." And then he's like, "Well, that must not." They're like, "Oh, wait, the the female one's pregnant, is about to give birth." <laughs> this series Better build a shed. <laughs> this series is a whole lot of nothing, but it's real nice and charming. Yeah, well, because like it's they've essentially made a Kirito type character. Who has no interest in being the Kirito type? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like that, that's kind of always the best things in these East Sky series is they is they introduce a character who either wants to be that thing but can't, or is that thing and doesn't want to be. Yeah. So like the until I, I I checked this again before I talked about this for the first eight or nine chapters there was not another humanoid in the series except this guy. I... There are Inferno wolves. And the most adorable giant spider ever. I would love to see a fucking huge Isekai crossover where it's like the biggest things in Isekai and this one all meet up and all of them just start talking. And then one guy's just like, I just have a farm. Got some dogs, got a big spider. She's, she's adorable. Yeah. Got some friends. We just kind of hang out, farm, do shit. What do you guys do? Yeah, and just, and just fucking, would, and, just, well, and and based on where I am in the manga, it would be hilarious if Kirito showed up here because not only is this guy basically Kirito, but much more comfortable with himself than Kirito I think will ever be because you know, not main main yeah. type protagonist. Yeah, but at the same time, this guy is basically running the the kind of harem Kirito has, but running it effectively because he's essentially surrendered all control over his own sexual proclivities to the women. To the point where the male dogs have started sympathizing with him. It's like, yeah, dude, they're just gonna fuck you for, you know, <laughs> your dick. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't really. The look on his face is always like, I don't really want to, but I don't have a much. Not nah, dude. They the want rat- you to plant your radish. <laughs> Yeah, because the first the humanoid that shows up is a demon vampire sorceress who drinks blood, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, that's rude to drink human blood. It's like, oh, it's okay. He's like, uh, uh, you sure? He's like, yeah, it's fine. It's, I don't worry about it. Like, I can't get sick. He's like, it's like, I drank, I must have drank like three liters of blood. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm okay, lady. Yeah. And then right after that, an angel who was hunting her through the demon woods shows up and is about to... And this is another running gag. Uh, whenever people attack his... Or, like, come onto his property and are not, like, invited guests, they get attacked by an increasingly large horde of Inferno wolves. <laughs> because, because essentially, the main character has just essentially set up a giant pound for these Inferno wolves. And they keep breeding, they keep spreading, they keep going out and finding new... 
uh, members to add to the pack to the point where they're breeding so much that even an occasional like um, non-dominant gene type shows up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be real fun when the story in this kicks in. Yeah. The well, it never does. In, yeah, I almost would be fine if it didn't. <laughs> but the, the weirdest thing is that by the point we are in the story, our main character is essentially running a commune of what might be every possible race except humans on this in the middle of in the middle of nowhere. Forest that, in the middle of nowhere in a forest that is technically on the lands of the demon lord. And the demon lord is, affair, is afraid to do anything to him because he took out a dangerous dragon just by th- chucking a spear at him. <laughs> <laughs> So charming. Yeah. So yeah, it, if you're looking for plot, stay away from this. If you want like a charming, relaxing thing where my favorite character is the spider. I weirdly love this spider. <laughs> if I remember if I remember the spider, she is adorable. Yeah. Let's see if it's a she. She's the, yeah, it's a she because she keeps have, giving birth to new children. <laughs> um just infinite inferno wolves and spiders. Yeah, well, it gets to the point where, like, well, when the spider first shows up, it's like, I thought it was a giant hairy couch. No, it's a giant spider. <laughs> Spiders riding on the backs yeah. of wolves. Yeah, and the spider and he immediately come to an arrangement where I will use my spider my spider silk, which the people of this universe treat as incredibly rare and incredibly useful crafting item, as long as you just give me potatoes. Yeah, I'm good. You want, like, some fucking sweet potatoes in there or just regular potatoes? Yeah. Yeah, so, like... I want games. the tree to hang out, I'm, and I'll give you silk, and I'll help you clean your animals when, that you hunt. Just give me potatoes. <laughs> and once her, once she starts giving birth to children, her children start building spider's nests above all of the, the farming fields that they use less like in an early alarm system. Which also, at one point, one of the baby spiders catches a, qu- a giant queen bee in their webs and, and just signals the main character's like, can we keep it? <laughs> Adorable. I'll call her Betty. <laughs> Do you like potatoes? Yeah, and he just builds a shack in the middle for uh, near for fruit trees for the bees, and they build a giant bee's nest in the ground. The dude's <laughs> fucking just... building a kingdom around his farm. <sighs> so yeah, I, I enjoy this. Uh, Dead Man obviously enjoys this. It's not for those who want plot. Is all I'm going to say. So actually, question. Do you think there could be any potential in a series about the world reacting to a guy like this? Oh yeah, totally. Just like some, just like some insanely powerful dude shows up, only is interested in fucking grown potatoes, and then everybody, then it's just about these different kingdoms reacting to that. Yeah. Or even him, like they they do the um, his knowledge of RPGs thing in a fa- real fantasy world where he keeps assuming things about elves based on fantasy stories he's read and RPGs he's played, and the elves keep going, "Stop stereotyping us." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man! Isekai is a fucking bloated corpse of a genre, but every once in a while. A chestburster comes out and escapes. Yeah, but it's like, but it's not like the chestburster from fucking Alien. It's chestburster from fucking uh, Spaceballs. <laughs> uh, 
So I, I've said all I want to on this. You want to say anything else? Uh, not really, just with East Kai stuff. The next chapter of fucking Rising of the Shield Hero is out in Japan, but the people who translate it, the guy whose job was to translate it, retired. So there's just a fucking chapter out there that nobody like me can read because it's not in fucking English. Yeah, that's too bad. And now, I, and now I'm back. And now I'm like, cons- like seriously considering resorting to the fucking books, like the original light novels. Yeah. How goddamn desperate I am for this fucking series. Which is weird because like, I don't even love it that much. Like, it's a really good series. I really enjoy it, but it's not a fucking Goblin Slayer. Which, thinking about it now, might actually be my favorite manga. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And I cannot tell you why other than just I really like D&D. Yeah, and like, speaking of stuff that... And like that the next chapter see. is the most... And the next chapter coming out based on what happened in the last one is the most D&D-ass chapter fucking ever. Yep. Just some fucking... Just the fucking DM was like, yo, assholes... We've come to the end of your story, NPC NPC bitches, and then, then all of a sudden, just go Gobbleslayer just starts rolling nothing but natural twenties. Yep, they support the narrative, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, uh, so I have one other series I want to talk about, and I kind of want to also do a quick um, follow up on a series I talked about previously that got weirdly good right at the end. But okay, so. Last, and this is the weird one I was I mentioned earlier. Um, this is technically an isekai story, except once you hear the name of it, I don't know if it counts. Okay. Because it is called... Everyone got summoned to another world, except me. Okay, continue. (laughs) So our main character is a high school student who was granted immense magical powers to help save another fantasy world, but the person who gave him all those powers screwed up the teleport and he was outside the field of teleport, so he was left behind. (laughs) Fucking dumbass. The rest of his classroom got sent to the other world to, to fight, but he didn't. So now he's stuck with nigh on godlike levels of fantasy magical powers, but he's in a traditional high school setting. <laughs> okay, yeah, this this actually sounds kinda of great. Yeah. And he just he he pops off to the uh middle to the Middle East to practice flying and wind magic where he can't hurt anyone. Um the police <laughs> This he's done this enough times that people on the police force know about his powers and try to like worm him into handling situations for them, even though he's like, guys, I'm trying to keep a low profile. This is not helping. <laughs> and this is kind of great. Like I'm just reading up on it. The reason he get summoned was because these because because he was sitting in the corner of the square classroom and the summoning circle was a circle. Yep. Just they didn't think. To f- <laughs> oh God, that is. That's so dumb. I love it. Oh, God. 
not much has happened in it up to this point. It seems like there's plot things going on both in the fantasy world and in the real world with our main character. Yeah, it was only like four uh, chapters but, deep. But not, not much has happened yet. It's just when I saw the title of this, I was like, okay, even if this isn't good, I need to talk about this with Dead Man. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. I need to read this. Because <laughs> it seems like cause it seems like the kind of East Guy story that was right up my goddamn alley. Just those weird off-Brady's kind of stories based on stupid ideas I have once in a while. Like that fucking one I just mentioned earlier. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's like, so yeah, it's like summoning circles are a circle, right? What about in a square classroom where there are corners? Read it. So yeah, uh, not great, but weird and interesting enough to be worth a look. Alrighty then. All right, so I'm going to finish up with one quack, one quack, one quick final mention one of a series that um, got weirdly good at the end for the anime, and now I'm stuck reading the manga for the story that played out. So I talked to you about Killing Bites, right? Yes. <laughs> and from what I told you about Killing Bites, you don't expect surprises. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like. This is a battle royale show. Characters with a fair amount of nudity are going to fight each other to the with beast powers are going to fight each other to the death. The entire second half of the series is a battle royale. Uh, there's like there's there's subterfuge, there's sneaky machinations during the battle royale, but ultimately it comes down to everyone versus everyone. Whoever is the strongest wins. Only the best survive. Which is appropriate given that, excuse me, the catchphrase of the series as a whole is, only the sharpest fangs will live, thus killing bites. Like, okay, if, that, if you really need to work that hard to justify your title, then I guess that works. But with a, and when you've got a bland as, bland milk toast as fuck main protagonist character who's whole thing is reacting to the much more interesting female protagonist who's the beast woman all of that's like fairly normal it's like okay fine this will this will be fun it'll be dumb it won't make much sense but it could at least be interesting but then okay so there's two big dumb things that happen and what are they (laughs) okay so, the first big dumb thing is not the, t- the, the... My favorite dumb thing is the twist at the end. But the first big dumb thing is that our main, the main female protagonist... So I guess spoilers going be- ahead? Yeah, spoilers, 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 if you care about killing bites. Um, hey, there might be one. <laughs> As has been yeah, shown me. by me, there could always be one person into a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... <sighs> So the the setup for the beast people in this universe is that they are humans who have been experimented on by Je- uh, a, a this universe's essential version of the Umbrella Corp uh, not Umbrella Corp Umbrella Corporation where they're like hey we've got animals we got people let's combine them let's see what happens yeah, that's more like Baxter Stockman yeah well the, TMNT shit. Uh, 
the first Resident Evil also had weird shit with like zombie giant snakes or sh- or zombie right. sharks. Yeah, and- they did do that. <laughs> I forgot about the zombie fucking sharks. Yeah. Resident Evil's kind of dumb. Yeah, but the kind of dumb that makes sense to talk about with this series. So yeah. our main female protagonist, the master of unlocking, is a uh, is a is a honey badger hybrid. A naturally occurring honey badger human hybrid. <laughs> some right there, some ladies getting fucking railed by a honey badger. And this is the result. Yeah. Then it just poops out a person. Yeah. You know, nature. Life finds a way. Yep. <laughs> But, of course, because she was born bestial and grew slowly more human through interactions with humans, uh, she, of course, has a second mode, which is beast mode. Word. Naturally. Which she uses to fight the final boss of the series, which is a pangolin. Yeah, sure. Do you know what a pangolin is? Yep, yeah, I have an idea. I I believe I know. It's like the artichoke thing, right? Sandslash, essentially. Yes, the artichoke thing. Yeah. Uh, Which... Appears to not be going well for her at first because the thing cuts her arm off. Oh, come on. She's an anime protagonist. That won't stop her. Yeah. To which her response was to grab the arm and use it as a lance to stab the thing in the eye. Yeah, fair. Before before she killed it by using the uh, by simply jabbing the other arm so far down its throat that she essentially gutted its esophagus. I know this is an old meme. And I may be just destroying myself with this, but as has been said, honey badger don't give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. And yes, it is 2010. (laughs) So yeah, all that's pretty dumb. And it stays dumb. Then the twist happens. (laughs) So throughout the series, um... The main female protagonist's uh, father figure, he's been acting shifty-eyed. Everyone knew he was up to something, they just didn't know exactly what. Uh, turned out what he was up to is that he was planning to stage a coup d'etat against one of the four heads of the Zaibatsu that run the underground beast man fighting um, thing that was the core of this series, and take control of it himself and make it well uh, make it publicly known and easy, and easily affordable. Sure. So, at the end of the series, one of the four Zaibatsu leaders is dead. Uh, what was an underground street fighting corporation is now essentially a publicly funded, well-known, popular, brutal fighting tournament. Okay. Yeah. And the bland, milk-toast male protagonist who we've been following alongside uh, Honey Badger up to this point... Uh, he has that, like, hanging out with you has taught me to believe in myself, that you have to have the will to fight on, to the will to live. And she's like, ew, you're being all gushy. It sounds like you're in love. He's like, oh, no, 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 I respect you. I don't love you. It's at which point she guts him like a fish. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. And leaves him for dead because her father figure told him that this person was a threat to his plans. Yep. 
But turns out he's not dead. Because at the end, at the last image we see before the credits roll, uh, someone found his body and revived him as a beast man, so now he's competing in secret in the tournament, hoping to get revenge. Hmm. I admit, with no foreknowledge of the series, that threw me. <laughs> because when you have a character who is so boring, lifeless, milk toast main protagonist for the entire series that you've seen up to that point, and then gut him, bring him back, and make him more interesting, you don't expect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't really expect any. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I am going to keep reading the Killing Bites manga. If you had told me that four months ago, I would have said you were crazy. Alrighty then. All right, so that's it for me. I've talked for over an hour. Alrighty then. On to my stuff. So, Ooh. let's go with the thing that. I... Let's go with this first. Unordinary. All right. So for past listeners, I talked about this previously, and just hearing me talked about it, talk about it, filled Dead Man with rage. <laughs> yes, because it it does not re does not describe well. A lot of things it was doing really kind of pissed me off, and I just didn't I did not like it that much. It was a whole weird thing. Any hoozle, I read it, gave it a chance, better than I thought. To the point that okay. I am now caught up. So, to refresh the people at home, Unordinary follows the adventures of John Doe. That is his real name. Yep. He lives in a world of people with superpowers. This world, despite it, like, this world is apparently fine. Despite the fact that it's basically the Old West, but everybody has a nuke. And yeah, so John is at school. He is doing his best, trying to survive, trying to just get along. But everybody hates him because he doesn't have powers. And that makes him a target. Fortunately for John, he's best friends with the most powerful person at the school. And also is the most powerful person at the school. It's a bit of a back and forth thing. But anyway. Yeah. Well, the fact that he's the most powerful person in school is not revealed too well yeah. until a long it way. Is, it is hidden. It has. It was only revealed, I think, like 40 chapters ago or like 90 chapters in. Yeah. Yeah, so John, yeah, so, yeah, so basically in this world, every, there are a huge chunk of people that have abilities of varying skill levels. And at least in high school, the ability, the the level of your ability determines how powerful you are in the school. Yeah, literal pecking order. Yeah, like there are. This isn't like I don't know if this is like like a full on realized like this is a fully realized position, but I don't know if it is a position within the school itself or just something that school student body has kind of come up with. But essentially, the the most powerful man, the most powerful woman in the school, become the king and queen. 
Then below them, they have like a fucking Jack, who's the third most powerful, and then so on and so forth. Or they essentially just have a royal flush of people in charge of the school. If there's a dispute with another school, then they go out to a fucking desert with with the with the uh, offending school's royal flush and have a turf war. They literally call it a turf war. Yep. And they throw John into this, a guy who is the most powerful person, but acts like he's not. Kind of. He says he's not, but acts like he acts like he's just kind of in the middle and just kind of doesn't give a fuck. Well, not only acts like he's not, acts like he has no powers at all. Yeah, he comes into the school as a cripple due to events in his past where he was a king, but was a dickbag. And so everyone tried to kill him. Which actually does make a bit more sense that I, now that I've read it. Uh, there's a line that kind of puts things in a bit more perspective. Put things a bit, gives a bit more protective things. Uh, just like I think, I think the the basic, basic of the line is like, "What good is a king that doesn't have any followers?" Yeah, something to that effect. Yeah, which I don't think was brought up when we initially talked about it. So when we initially talked about it, John was in charge, but a dick. Then everyone tried to kill him because he was a dick, and and that was the thing that kind of pissed me off. Like it was, it wasn't really, it wasn't the initial thing that pissed me off. It was just kind of adding fuel to the fire at that point. We're just, this world is predicated on people in power being shit bags. Nobody does anything about it ever until right now. Why? But then I actually read it and it started to make a bit more sense. Like, with that line specifically, and then also seeing how Arlo, the current king of the high school that they're in, kind of treats people. Like, yeah, he is still, like, the fucking high on his dick, I'm the fucking bomb diggity dog around here, because I have force fields. But yeah, he... Yes, he, essentially Sue Storm's power just without the invisibility. Yeah. So Sue Storm's power, but worse. Yeah. And yeah, so he is, he's, he's like, the, he's the head dick in charge and he acts like it. He fucking thinks about it. We get his internal monologue and he's like, oh, this fucking peasant touched me. How dare he? But he actually goes out and does stuff. He is charming, charismatic. He is, he's putting on, he's basically playing a politician. So that kind of makes things make a bit more sense where the king has to be like, you know, feared, but also respected. You can't have a king solely based on fear, which is why the shit with John happened. That that made that make more sense, and so I was like, "All right, I get it now." It's still not great, but I get it. <sighs> yeah, I character-wise, it is the series is a bit. Of a mixed bag. Because characters like John. Like John when he is in his cripple mode. I really like him. Yeah like that's the thing I've like not disliked about the recent chapters. He's. They're clearly building up that he's about to explode. Like he did at his old school. Yeah he's reverting back to old John. Which I have not been liking. I don't. I get it. I get kind of. I kind of get where they are. Where the writers come from with this. Where this has been the build-up. The tension is, when will John fucking go nuts? But 
I don't like Dickbag John. Like, I like John as what we've had up till now. Like, a dude who knows that he's, like, a dude who, like, is the hottest shit, but doesn't care. And doesn't care, and doesn't care about anybody else who's the hottest shit. He just kind of is. It's a very laid back, almost kind of zen, like, lifestyle to live in this fucking world. A lifestyle that brushed off on the fucking queen bitch. And is, like, one of the main things that people who do like him like about him. And so having that be kind of stripped away slowly is starting to kind of grate on me. But Sarah, the, the like I said, the bomb diggity there who has time control powers. Well, d- had time control powers. I'll get into that. Like she's been there kind of as like an anchor for John, like kind of been the thing that been the thing that like, you know, helps him get helps get him through the day and helps him not be the old him. I'm hoping that once she figures, once she learns that he has powers, because she's starting, to, she's starting to fucking get it. She's starting to get like hints of it, like oh, not not just the powers thing, just also the way he's acting. Yeah, like something has changed, and she knows it, so she wants to know what it is, and she's starting to piece it together. So I hope once she figures that out, John's able to go back to being the character I enjoy reading, because the two of them had like really great interplay with each other when John was before, when John was fucking crippled. Two of them was just like real laid back and felt like one of the more genuine friendships I've read in the manga recently. Yeah, with I mean, one of my favorite part. The reason I put up with all the other stuff in the story was basically their backstory. Yeah, it was real fucking. It was real fucking good. And we've and we like seen real growth from her as a character. Yeah, like honestly, more than John, she's my favorite character. Yeah, she's the fucking she's, best. She, Because she, she represents the one who is seeing all of the weird social programming that is indem- that is inherent to her society and starting to reject it. And she's yeah. powerful enough that she can. But she's also seeing that because of um, the way the society is built, anyone who is powerful but does not conform, conform to social norms is a threat. Yeah. Arlo specifically, like Arlo the king, kind of specifically gets into conflict with John because John doesn't fit. Like John is best friends with the most powerful person at the school. He is the lowest rung possible, but acts like he's the fucking highest rung possible. And so Arlo's like, "Uh, you, you don't fit in the order. I need to either file you down or kill you." Which he kind of yeah. does almost. Well, I mean, he brings him to the point that are like that, that. That's the thing. Like the the first big oh fuck moment is when Arlo finally pushes John to his breaking point, and John uses his powers. And when it gets to that point, Arlo realizes, "Oh fuck, what have I done?" <laughs> yeah, because the other two people he's with get fucked. I don't know if they're completely dead, but even their healer sure who's used they're to, not dead. Uh, even their healer who's used to healing like supernatural injury type stuff is like, oh, what fuck. the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> and then puts two and two together. Yeah, and there's also been like other character growth from um, I can't remember his name, but he's the newspaper guy. 
Right, yeah. I, but, I mean, he's the other character who... He doesn't have to fight him. He just does the lowest lane thing and figures out his backstory. At which point he's like, "Oh fuck, leave this guy alone." <laughs> yeah, and like, and like, does a full one eighty and tries to be like, "Hey, buddy, how's it going? Let's fucking talk, dude. Don't chill your shit. You want to get some soda?" <laughs> yeah. Now the character I'm still annoyed at the most is newspaper chick, who's like, she's the fucking worst. She. This is a society where everything is like. Top shit of top map of shit. Top shit of shit mountain gets to say the rules. I believe in the freedom of the press. Yeah, it's this whole fucking thing. Like freedom of the press, and then King comes in. Nah. Oh, oh okay. I, and it's not like and it's not like she is like someone who challenges the inherent social hierarchy. Or anything, she is part she, of that. She was a former queen. Yeah, but she's just weirdly invested in freedom of the press. <laughs> yeah, she's interested in individual freedom when it suits her needs. Yeah, which is a character arc, it's just an annoying character arc. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the thing, like I don't understand this world in the slightest. No, and that's the problem I so, had when I was trying yeah. to explain this to Deadman, that even though I understand how this world works, I'm not sure it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, like, looking at it from the, like, macro size of things, the society is essentially ours, just with superpowers. Yeah. Unless superpowers were a recent development, which, based on dialogue and fucking shit we've seen, it's not. Like, they've been around and a staple for, at, yeah, for well, minimum like that, 70 years. The reason I years. say it can't have been all that recent is the idea that the idea of... Um, self-sacrificing heroic acts is a dangerous idea that almost no one's ever heard of. Yeah. At this point. So it's got to have been at least a generation or two. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I'm thinking like minimum 70 years. Yeah. Because cause like John's dad dealt with it and it was already an ingrained thing when John's dad was John's age. Yeah. So, so like, and his dad's like what, like 40 something. Yeah, his, his dad's a middle-aged guy, and he yeah, also, so, it, his dad is the one who wrote this book about heroic acts, and his dad seems to be, and I pointed this out when I first talked about it with Dead Man, he seems to be what would happen if what Goyer was trying to do with Pa Kent and Man of Steel was done more in a semi-interesting way. Yeah. Because <laughs> like he essentially acts like John tries to act when he acts crippled. Yeah, just that, at the same like, just time, the he's hot also, shit mentality. But he's also acknowledges like, look, John, you have to find a middle ground. I know you're upset about what happened when you abused your powers, but acting like you're completely nothing is technically not going to be all that much better because you're just going to invite conflict constantly. <laughs> yeah, his dad is a really interesting character who isn't around for all that long. No, he needs to come back. I think actually, given what's about to happen... After this next like climactic event, I think he really needs to come back because I'm fairly certain that after shit goes down, Sarah is going to demand a in-depth explanation either from John or from his dad, and his dad is probably going to give him all the details. John's not going to feel comfortable. Oh yeah, John ain't going to talk shit. Like like Sarah's Sarah's <laughs> going to find out about it. Then John's going to fucking use her ability and storm off. Well, assuming he still can. Again, we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, so John's dad, the what? His whole thing is so the reason the series is called Unordinary, which is a name I still fucking hate. Yeah, it's 
So the reason it's called that is because John's dad wrote a book called Unordinary. And Unordinary is the exact opposite of the world. Which I was talking about that, but I'll, I'll get back. Fuck, goddammit. But yeah, the idea is in a world of cripples, there is one person with amazing power. Instead of using that power to be the top dick of shit mountain, he helps people. He brings about world peace, essentially. And that's dangerous. So much so that it appears that a, that a chunk of the story is going to be about potentially a government-sanctioned hit squad of high-powered individuals. Because from the more recent arc, um, Sarah gets attacked in the middle of the street through a very, like, very highly coordinated and well-executed sting operation where she is then injected with some shit that strips her powers. And the people themselves seem to have the ability to dampen other people's powers. And there is... There's been some implication from some of their characters that this is happening because of the government. Because since this, yeah. Since, yeah, since Unordinary got out there, there have been people that have been trying to be superheroes. Yeah, they usually end up dead at the hands of some nameless serial killer. Yeah, which appears to be a group or, of people. Yeah, it's like, some, yeah, it's, it's like yeah. a terrorist cell or something. Yeah, terrorist group. But it, as the more and more evidence climbs, there seems to be some evidence that this is like a black ops, keep the powers in line type thing. Yeah. So that brings us back to the world discussion I was having. So, yeah, powers have been a have been an establishment for a while, like a long while. But the world is still basically the exact same world it is. So either it was a more recent development, in which case there should be more wide social changes, or they've been around since from the jump, and then the world shouldn't look anything like it is, because there shouldn't be a government in the same way there's government now. It shouldn't be fucking nameless, faceless bureaucrats. It should be goddamn Clark Kent up there ripping dudes in half. That's what this is. And the other thing I don't really get is the schooling system. Because whether it succeeds at it or not, school is meant to prepare kids for the real world. And in Asian schools, they appear to do a bit better job about that. Slightly. It's still not great because it's still just like whatever, but they do a better job of slowly dev- slowly dealing out responsibility to kids to get them more prepared for actually doing things in the world. But the world they're raised in in school and the world as it is are both they're both they both have two very conflicting ideas about your powers in school it is if you have powers everyone sucks your dick in the world it's if you have powers keep that shit on lock or the government will kill you like they even bring this up where like where like a, the a, the queen and fucking two of her jacks or whatever they all get arrested for using their powers outside school in a way that just seems natural to them. The cuffs that they're given are piece of shit cuffs that can only handle somebody of really low power level. They can easily break out of them. But if they do, then the government is on their ass and they are fucked. 
the school itself, like the school, the school, which is the equivalent of the government to them in their environment, doesn't give a fuck what they do. Yeah. It, it, speaking of this, my other favorite character, the male nurse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's kind of great. It's like, I'm tired of fixing this useless piece of shit. But he knows. You, he knows what John is. Yeah, I know. I know he knows. But at the same, that's what he. That's how he threatens yeah, students. Who like, you motherfucker! <laughs> if you come in here with one more broken bone, I'll kill you. Yeah, he's pretty great. But yeah, it's it's a weird mixed bag. It's a it's a really weird mixed bag, and this, like especially in the art too, because the art is. The art is very much, uh, no offense to the artist here, uh, very much a Steam Greenlight visual novel level. Yeah. Where the characters themselves, they're able to get a level of expression out there, but it's not like done with a super amount of skill. Like kind of the only way that these characters are able to actually get across that, hey, we're different from, from each other, is the fact that they're able to give themselves anime hues of hair. Yeah. Like our two Jacks, essentially, I, I don't know if you like newspaper boy and Jack. If they didn't have yeah. different colored hair, I couldn't tell them apart. Yeah, that that is a problem. <laughs> and then you get to the backgrounds and stuff and the backgrounds are like. They have that weird quality of like, even though everything is drawn, it's drawn in less detail. So it looks like animated characters walking around on a non-animated background. Yeah, it, yeah, it looks it looks like fucking two drawn characters walking around on poorly rendered CG models with a fucking blur filter applied to them. Yeah. Which probably know that could be their method. I don't know. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to fucking insult the artist here. Like this is a person doing this I think basically for free. Yeah, it's on it's on webtoon, so there's no way she's getting paid for this. Yeah, it's a person <laughs> doing this for free and making a story that I'm pretty sure it's a she that she just wants out there and wants to make. And yeah. I feel kind of bad ripping into it like this. Yeah. Well, if you ever have the money, time and willingness to go to a con, she tends to be closer to you than to me. I think the last con she was at was in somewhere called Calgary. Ah, uh, yes. Calgary. <laughs> one of the West, one of the more central Canadian locations. <laughs> yeah. I can't afford to go to cons. Yeah, you think you can afford a hotel room? <laughs> Let alone food. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be a weirder mixed bag when I have to talk about the Markiplier manga next time. Uh, <laughs> just uh, anyway, moving on. Um, so got a couple of some quick things out of the way before I get into the big one, which is only big because of subject matter. So uh, okay. Kiriko. Kiriko is a five chapter horror series. That's weird as fuck. And not weird in like a interesting way, just kind of weird in a. Huh? Baffling. Uh, not, not, not even baffling. It's weird in the most boring way possible. Oh, well, that's that's a, that's never good to be boring weird. So. A group of high school friends get together after 10 years. They have they've all been invited up to up to their old school by a mysterious K. 
when they get there, there's like some food laid out and stuff, and everybody's like, hey, we're all getting together. Everything's great and stuff. Woo. Uh, then shortly after this, um, one of them dies by having her head ripped off in the toilet. Everybody's like, oh my God, what the fuck? What's happening? Uh, and it eventually eventually starts going over, get, get, talk starts going over towards Kiriko, an old friend of theirs who died under mysterious circumstances. According to the guy we follow, she was the shit. She was, she was, she was the top dick of shit mountain. She had, she, she had like, she like, she was, she was essentially waifu bait. Just twin tails up in giant fucking bows. She did like some modeling stuff. She was an idol. She sang and whatever. She was the fucking bee's knees. She was the kind of person you would take to a love hotel on, uh, on your second date. Or fucking whatever. I'm guessing specific reference to something that happens. Um, no. Oh, okay. Just a trope that I tried to force into existence, I guess. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So as yeah, so as the series progresses, um, well, as the chapters progress, people begin like just seeing Kiriko just kind of around, even though she's dead. She's like this fucking giant, long limbed creature with like. With like, it looks like suckers, like like you know, like um, like suction cups on her arm, like an octopus or something, oh. but like really dried out ones. Okay. Get to the end, and turns out that the main character, all of the memories he had of Kiriko, were a delusion he concocted himself because he murdered her. Turns out she was actually fucking homely as shit, and people gave her the twig, people gave her like twin tail bows and shit to make fun of her. She was like, I want to be an idol. Everyone was like, yeah, sure you can, fucking Igor. You sloth-looking motherfucker. Okay. And, and the suction cups are cigarette burns. Okay. And the reason he concocted this fucking shit was because one day, Ryosuke, our main character, stood up for her and was like, hey, maybe stop torturing this person for the sin of being not attractive. For the sin of being a fucking cross between a fucking... Between, cross between a lamprey and a fucking pug. Because, yeah, she didn't look like a person. She looked like a fucking burn victim. Okay, she, I'm sorry about that. She looked like a burn victim. So she looked like... She, she didn't look natural. Yeah. And so... Okay. Yeah, so she... And yeah, so Ryosuke stands up for her once, and then she starts following around, like, hey, you want to like, hang out? Whatever. And then one day, we're on a fucking suspension bridge... Uh, she's like, oh, dude, I love you. And he's like, get away from me, you fucking monster. Accidentally backhands her off the bridge as he falls to her death. So then he, in an attempt to rid himself of guilt, rewrites his own memories of everything. And is like, oh, yeah, Kiriko was fucking hot as hell. She was into me. And we all loved her. We hung out and whatever. These two played together. They played music together. They were fucking... Slam a lemon ding dong or whatever. Okay. <laughs> then the ghost gets big. Then it goes away. Yeah, our main character and his lady friend, they get together. Then he goes back to work one day and outside the window, oh my god, it's Kiriko, but she's even bigger than she was before. And then it ends. It's bad. Okay. 
I just got Keep top to bottom. Characters are uninteresting or terrible. The art is weird as hell. Uh, the backstory of the monster is stupid. And the backstory of the main character and his relationship to the monster is even dumber. Moving right along. Friends Eater Classroom. This is weird. So, one day, main character, name escapes me, who gives a fuck? He wakes up to a text message uh, saying that he is uninfected and that, his, that the cure is his hair. He heads to class and other people got the text message too. Well, that's weird. So nothing happens. Next day. He gets, a, he, gets a, he gets a similar text message. Like, hey, you are uninfected. The cure is now this. And then he gets it. And then they find out, hey, one of these kids is infected. He doesn't get the cure. And then his head turns into a giant tumor and explodes. And he is dead. From then on, it is learned and kind of intuited that everybody in this class is involved in a death game where one day one random person or a couple of random people will be infected and they have to eat the cure of a specific person. That cure can be something as innocuous as your fingernails or your hair or one of your teeth or your kidneys. It's about the group okay. of fucking classroom kids getting together, trying to survive this game and still be friends and sane or whatever while having to eat each other. Okay. It's boring. <laughs> I thought it was going to... So it's going for straight horror. It wasn't going for... Based on your description, I thought it was going to go comedy. No, it no. they are trying to do this straight seriously. Like, they use, they use insect imagery a lot. Uh... Yeah, it's just fucking boring. It's this boring fucking death game setup that is supposed to get by solely on the shock value of he just ate his dead best friend's kidneys. Oh my god! So it's the Japanese manga equivalent of the of a movie that came out this week, Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Basically. <laughs> and like it's weird. Like none of the rules are set up as an actual thing, so they have to be intuited. Like, like nowhere in any like nowhere in any rules was it stated like, hey, you can't if like until the fucking school day ends, you can't leave the school grounds. Then one dude goes leave school grounds early and his head explodes. And it was unfortunate because his fucking spleen or whatever is what they needed for the main character to survive. Luckily, a buddy was there with some brooms, so they drug him back in and then cooked his spleen up nice and good. Gave him some soy sauce and some pimento. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Don't read Friends Eater Classroom. At all. It's bad. Keep the weird train rolling. Let's talk about the new series from the guy who did Kuragani and Mononofu. Noah's Notes. I saw this advertised. I didn't read it. I'm not 100% sure what this series is about. Because what it's about is weird. So I'm going to just go with like, I'm, I'm going to go with broad strokes before we get into like the real, the real shit. 
So our main character is a girl. She don't give a fuck about history. Because, like, what's the point of history? We, we could just live with the president. I'm going to go get a husband. He's going to be fucking rich as fuck. We're going to fuck all day, and I'm going to spend his money. Okay, so I'm never reading this. Class, um, she then finds um, something, just some fancy fucking thing in a rock. She takes a picture of it and posts it on Instagram. At which point, a scientist named Noah finds out, uh, finds it and helicopters into the window of her classroom. I was like, what's up, bitch? I'm a history teacher. Let's fucking go. Cause Okay, I'm looking up the picture. Is said professor a white-haired, yellow guy, crazy-looking motherfucker? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so turns out that he has been, uh, this, this guy, this Professor Noah, has been searching for artifacts from 100,000 years ago. These artifacts are incredibly advanced technology. That shouldn't ex- they shouldn't have existed hundred thousand years ago because they kind of don't exist today. Turns out that technology was invented by us four years in the future, and then sent back a hundred thousand years in time to have current society built on top of it because all humanity died. Did you follow that? Kinda. <laughs> Great, you're right where I am. <laughs> and yeah, so the story is about Noah and this girl. A, Noah teaching this girl to like history, and B, the two of them trying to trying to go through the ruins of fucking society underneath the society they are ruins of to find out why humanity dies in the next four years. I'm going to say this is a bit of a departure from what I'm used to from this writer. When you consider the fact that his previous two works were sports series, a straightforward sports series. Yep. Just like wrote two of them, both of them failed. And he's like, let's do something a bit different. I don't know. I don't know. To make matters worse, it's not that good. Like, art-wise, yeah, it's pretty great. This dude's a really good artist. Writing-wise, it is so long-winded and convoluted. Our main character is the worst by nature of being a modern-day teenage girl. Just, she is just the fucking worst. No other character is really a character to me because I read a chapter and gave up because fuck me. It's weird time travel shit that I, I don't know, I don't even really know how to describe the genre of this goddamn series. Yeah, I might have to look at this just to see what kind of weirdo thing it is. Maybe I misread something. Maybe I just fucking skipped over some words in dialogue balloons because they were so fucking long or boring. I don't know. I wish more people read Mononofu. Really dug that one. (sighs) 
So, moving on to my final series. Domestic Girlfriend. I've heard of this, never read it. I don't know how I feel about it. So, we got three main characters to focus on. Natsuo, Rui, and Hina. Natsuo is a high school student. He he wants to be a writer. He is he's in like a fucking creative writing. Uh, no, he's not in the creative writing class. He joins the creative writing class eventually as the series progresses. But he just kind of likes writing stuff. And he has a huge crush on his teacher, Hina. One day, while out with some friends, uh, Natsuo loses his virginity to Rui, a girl he just met that night. The next day, he learns that not only are Rui and Hina sisters, their mom just married his dad. So, now it is this weird love triangle story between three people who are now technically related. Now, that's not, that's not, no, that's not the thing that kind of bugs me about it, because... Like I, if it was, if it was like, Hey, like fucking 15 years ago, their parents got married and they've grown up with each other as siblings. That would be one thing. But if it is, Hey, I met you a week ago and now people say we're related. There's a difference. There's a difference in that. Specifically the fact that like, yeah, hey, our parents got married. We're not related to each other in any capacity. People just say your brother, people just say we're brother and sister now. It's still weird, but it is not as weird as it could be. The weird thing is when this guy starts like two-timing on both of these sisters and one of them is like in her fucking like mid to late 20s and he's like 17. And then also like the fucking emotional trauma that every one of these fuckers is going through because like all of them are kind of really horribly selfish about their relationships. I, this gets heavy in a really weird way because everyone commits a hundred percent to all of these relationships. And I, I don't know. Stories about relationships are always weird with me because I'm never 100% sure how I'm able to handle them. Yeah. Granted, I'm... This is weird to say, but I got... Luckily, luckily I got inundated with something far worse than what you're describing because there was a Korean series drawn by the guy who made Freezing. Right, Trinity Wonder. No, not that. Oh, what was this one then? Uh, This one's where... A guy, uh, a teenage boy with a uh, adopted sister who's in like her late twenties, um, is uncomfortable with the fact that he has um, sexual fantasies about her because he's been raised to, as with her as his sister for his entire life, until he discovers that they're not related by blood and uh, and uh, confronts her about this while she's driving. Yeah, Trinity Wonder. I, I've read this. Okay, so this is the okay, and so the one where she uh, gets uh, amnesia and then is okay with it. Yeah, uh, mm. <laughs> mm. 
I couldn't remember if that was the, I didn't remember that was the name. I just oh no, wait, no, sorry, not Trinity, not Trinity thing. It's uh, something else. Sorry, I'm thinking of something else. I think it's uh, let me check this. Unbalance X three. Right, that is the name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that what that one that one is the worser version of this one. Yeah. yeah. This is just real fucking weird. Like, like Natsuo is Natsuo is like saying like, "Hey, I'm 100 dedicated to Hina. She is the fucking one I love with. I'm in love with." And then he like has sex with has sex with her sister two more times and like gets into a weird makeout relationship with her while he's dating Hina. Another thing, yeah. He starts dating Hina directly after she broke up with somebody who was cheating on his wife with her. Then one day after they've been essentially living together and fucking for like months, just leaves. Leaves him a note that says, "Yeah, you're better without me." Then leaves while still both of them being in love with each other. Meets up with the guy he was having, she was having an affair with, who then meets fucking Natsuo and says, "Yeah, she got over you. Just leave. Just give up on her. Fuck you." What's weird is I've read a hentai more recently that has a more believable melodramatic plot than that. Oh yeah, totally. There's there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. I read it. I mean, the hentai I read was one which inf- which featured a magic penis curse, where the guy was basically a eunuch until he saved a god, and the god rewarded him with the greatest hard on ever. But the uh, the side thing is, if he gets hard, he can't he can't get, become flaccid again until he's finished, essentially, and it has to be with a woman. He's tried by himself, and he can't do it by himself. And the girl who he wants to be in a relationship with is annoyed with the fact that he has the greatest dick ever and so many women want his dick. But she's also aware that it's not something he has all that much control over. <laughs> you want to remember what the name of the series is, you know, just for, like, science. <laughs> Brawling Go. All right, then. Thank you for your ser- Thank you for your donation to science. But yeah, so, I mean, relationship things, it's all about how you react to the characters. And and sometimes, even if you react well to the characters, the way those characters are presented is not one. Because, like, one of my favorite couples ever is Sosuke and Kaname from Full Metal Panic. And the the humor in the first half of, of, of the first season of that show is so bad that, considering how much I love their characters, it's, it annoys me how bad the humor is in that first half. But I will For get thoughts into on that. our first half of that series, check out our commentary. Check out our anime club, available now on DustorProds.com, yeah. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now, Google Play Music. Or tune in next time when I do the Full Metal Panic series retrospective. That too. <laughs> in preparation for discussing Invisible Victory. Which, as I said to Deadman, I have to do a series retrospective for this one. Because this thing gives no fucks. It has been 13 years. It don't give a fuck. It's going to keep going. And there is so much plot in the first episode, they do not even bother with an opening or ending sequence. <laughs> oh, and also, speaking of the Anime Club, be sure to stay tuned to the website and everything else I just mentioned. Because the Anime Club is coming back. Thanks to our first patron, Absolute Zero. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Absolute Zero. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, dude. Uh, Going to say on the podcast... Uh, an odd choice for what to make us watch, but okay, I'm down. Yes, we're gonna be we're going to be 
watching, and I do mean this. I'm, I don't. I'm, we're not going to do some fucking thing. Somebody paid us to do this, so we're going to be fucking doing it. We're going to be doing the dub of Hajimete no Gal. He specifically requested the dub. I, 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 given what this series is like, I feel like that's kind of necessary because having to read this kind of makes it more difficult to enjoy. <laughs> All right, then. So that'll be coming out in the next week or so. We're going to be getting into that for you, Absolute Zero. And if you, the folks at home who aren't patrons, would like to fucking make us watch some bullshit. Patreon, motherfuckers. I've actually had like one or two people who I think are bots, but I'm not 100% sure, ask us to actually watch stuff for Let's Watches and anime clubs and stuff. Well, make sure they're not bots. Uh, I don't think wa- I don't think this one guy is. This one guy, he asked us if we want, if asked us to do the Psycho prequel. The what prequel? Psycho. I think, he, yeah, he wanted us to watch Psycho 4. Oh, okay. I thought we were still talking to anime. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, for Let's Watch, he wanted us to watch Psycho 4. And right, I, saw the, I, and I saw that his Twitter feed was him asking other people who do commentary tracks to do to do commentary tracks for a thing. And it felt kind of dickish to just say, yeah, you want to fucking do that? Give us Patreon, asshole. Yeah. I have not seen any of the Psycho sequels or the remake. I saw the remake before I saw the original Psycho. Oh, that's bad. I like William H. Macy. It's hard not to like William H. Macy. I liked him in Jurassic Park 3. That does not make it a good movie. No, it does not. It, it does not. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Well, there's, as Vince Vaughn and Tay Leone can suck my fucking taint. William H. Macy, you're, you're, good, you're good people. As a decent comparison, Dead Man, I like Samuel L. Jackson, but if you told me that you had only seen the remake of RoboCop, I would be mad. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Samuel L. Jackson. The only movie I've seen him in was Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Wayward for Peculiar Children. Yeah, so anything else about the Slender Man? Uh, no, no. Uh, I'm still kind of away about Domestic Girlfriend. Yeah, I get that impression. I might end up, I might end up going back to it. Like, it's still going on. And I have it, like, bookmarked where I left. I just... I don't know if I can actually handle that. Anyway. That's what we're reading and watching then. No news. That's good for this week. Thank you all for Thank joining God. us. God. <laughs> yeah, that's the note we ended on. <laughs> I mean, you said I mean you said wait, you said you didn't want to go like you said you want like We've, we've been gone go- long enough. We've been going for a bit. Yeah. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back sometime for more of this. Tell I'm dead. I'm Birdie. Give us money, you fucks. See you guys next time. Bye.